Just a couple of scriptures to kind of set this up for you. Micah 7, 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Then Proverbs 24, 16, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Look at somebody and tell them, I do not stumble when calamity strikes. Why? Because you're not a person given to falling and staying down. You know that old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up? It's not biblical. Come on, say it. I have fallen and I shall arise. So we're not discounting with this series, this little mini-series that, uh, that maybe you have uh, sometimes stumbled. Uh, I just want you to know that God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is on you every morning. Do you believe that today? No matter what's happened in your life, no matter how far you've gone or what you seem to think you failed in, he's, he's faithful to cleanse you and forgive you of all righteous, unrighteousness and, and just kind of pick you up again, dust you off, and just you know, send you on down your way. God is great at doing that. Aren't you glad for that tonight? 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Though the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving or seducing spirits and things taught by demons, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And we're seeing a, a really a plethora of this right now throughout the body of Christ. No one's inviting the demon to speak on Sunday night or Wednesday night or Sunday morning. But it is demonic inspiration of people in pulpits, in classrooms, teaching things that are unscriptural. And those things lead us to, to a fall, of course. And so we want to do, just like we're going to rust-proof our possessions and waterproof things, we're going to fall-proof ourselves. Write this down. Fall-proof means to make yourself impervious to a spiritual fall. You know, if you get up this week and think, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to fall, I'm going to blow it, so I'll just, might as well just uh, get, get used to it and get ready for it. You don't want to have faith for the fall. You want to have faith for the stand. There's grace if you fall, but what you want to do is develop yourself in a, in a mindset that you don't have to. A lot of Christians were, were taught a bogus uh, you know, spirituality. They said, well, you've got to sin a little bit every day. You've got to mess up every once in a while. No, the reality is the force of righteousness is pushing you to do right every single day of your life. The way that sin pushed you to do wrong before you met the Lord Jesus Christ. How many glad you met him? I said, how many glad you met him? Aren't you glad you know him? Now that force is not pushing you to do wrong. It's pushing you to do right. And so you and I have everything we need to live this life. If we mess up, thank God we have an advocate. Amen? But don't use that as an excuse to say, well, I'll just fall and get up and fall and get up. No, what you want to do is begin to position yourself. And the reason is, according to Jude, um, you know, and this is basically... You know, I'd say uh, a big portion of this scripture in the book of Jude tells you about the consequences of falling down. What you want to realize is that, yes, there is mercy, there is grace. He will pick you up and dust you off. But a lot of damage is done when we fall. It's not just us. It can be damage to other people. So what we want to do is learn from those things and position ourselves according to what Jude teaches to stand in these times. Having done all to stand, what are we going to do? We're just going to keep on standing, aren't we, church? We notice in Jude 17 through 19, um, we'll just kind of just reference that tonight. Uh, there are several influences that cause people to fall. First of all, those who scoff and mock at the truth. You know, how many know that just because somebody mocks at the truth doesn't make it untrue? You can scoff about his coming, he's still coming back. How many believe that to you? More than ever. If you have any discernment at all, amen. Unless your wood is completely wet, you know in your heart the Lord is on his way back. 
those who yield to various ungodly lusts. So not just mocking the truth, but yielding to ungodly lusts. Why is that true? Because when somebody yields, the people they influence will also yield. Third thing is those who cause divisions among Christians. If there's one thing you want to stay away from in these end times, uh, people that cause divisions among brothers. Within a church or within the whole church as a whole, the capital C, the body of Christ, don't be a person who divides. Don't make it your ambition. You have to correct everybody and tell everybody what they're doing is wrong. That is not your job. Come on, say it. I am not the Father. Say it with me. I am not the Father. The Father is the Father. And you know, when you and I get there, you and I are going to have to go through a detox anyway. I don't know how many millennium we're going to spend just getting all this stuff out that shouldn't have been there in the first place. I mean, we're going to be, you know, at a level intellectually where, where the Lord is in terms of uh, function and potential. But, you know, everybody's going to carry some things probably that weren't 100% true. Our campus pastor for years, Mark Randall, used to say, you know what, I don't agree with what everything I say every time. <laughs> yeah. I'll teach something, and I don't even agree with that. Well, that's just the nature of it. We are not uh, perfect beings. But I want you to understand that uh, there's something that's particularly nauseous, I believe, in the heart of God, and it's people sowing dissension among Christians. That's why Paul told you to stay away from people like that, Romans 16, 17. Uh, some are in local churches, some in church organizations, some with YouTube channels. All they do is criticize and cut down. They make it their ambition. They tell you everything somebody's doing wrong. Can I tell you something? I promise you they're still doing more right than wrong. So if you can't receive something, just spit out the bone, but don't become their father. Don't become their corrector. Sores of strife and discord and offense will lead you to a fall if you allow yourself to be influenced by them. It's dumb for you to get into a place of critical spirit and, and offense, but it's, it's dumber still if you let somebody else pull you into that. So be aware for critical spirits around you. You don't have to hate on people. You don't have to go around rebuking everybody. Don't you pick up the spirit of correcting them either. Just don't let yourself be influenced by people who are causing division among brothers. Divisions in a home, divisions in a local church, divisions in a, in a ministry within a church, divisions within a denomination, divisions within some organization. Don't be a part of that. You're not called to divide. Say, I'm not called to divide. In the fourth category is those who follow the flesh. In other words, they're not being led by the Spirit of God. How many are glad that those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God? We are the heirs. So we have every motivation to be led by what? The Spirit, and no motivation to be led by the flesh. But if you allow yourself to be influenced by that, you'll do the same thing. It's, it's very simple. If you hang around people that are on the right path, chances are, guess what? You're going to be headed down the right path as, as well. So, so how do you fall proof your life? I do want to uh, just read these few verses in uh, Jude. So go to Jude if you haven't already. Uh, this is not where the, the Beatles got the name Hey Jude for their song. That's not part of that. And just looking at uh, verse 20, let me know when you're there. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now that is a direct command to pray in tongues. Don't let any religious spirit tell you otherwise. This is not just praying in the Holy Spirit in terms of in the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is specifically talking about praying in the Holy Ghost according to Acts 2, 8, 9, 10 and Acts chapter 19. I got an anointed fly up here. I'm not just, you know, waving my arms trying to get you blessed tonight. There's something up here bothering me. So, amen. Save me. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
Uh, denominational people sometimes don't want to hear that. You know, people who are secessionists, these things have passed away, don't want to hear that. But, you know, we need to hear the truth about the power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit more than ever. We need Him now more than ever. Say it with me. I'm a Word person, and I'm a Holy Ghost person. You know what? You don't have to be one or the other. You can be what? You can be both, and I encourage you strongly to be both. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I notice here the emphasis is on your direct behavior. These are things you're supposed to do. Be merciful to those who doubt, snatch others from the fire, and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Uh, the first key we mentioned last week to fall proof your life. Everybody say fall proof is to pray in the Spirit. Um, this has a whole host of benefits, and I'm just going to list them for you. I went into a little more detail last week. It'll help build you up your inner man. You need to be stronger in your inner man. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It will happen every single time. God will not let you down. Say it with me. God will not let me down. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you will build yourself up. Number two, it'll help you get up when you're down or defeated. I don't know anything that will cause you, your spirits, to rise. If you'll just take that, whatever situation is bothering you, and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for no natural reason, your whole disposition will change. It'll cause you to stand up when you feel like you're down. Number three, it'll help you listen. It opens up our spiritual ears. Nothing will open up and fine-tune your hearing like praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, how many agree with me? We need to have greater hearing now than ever before. We can't afford to miss the signals of the Holy Ghost. We can't afford not to hear what he's trying to say to us in the time that we live. Number four, to help you wise up, give you insight, knowledge, and direction. I've seen many, many occasions where we've done what Paul talked about when we pray in the Holy Ghost. We're praying mysteries. Well, just because they're mysteries when they're prayed doesn't mean they have to stay mysteries. We can believe God to give us the understanding. Uh, you know, all it has to do is travel from here to here. You understand that? So when we... Uh, Praying the Spirit causes us to wise up. Next, it'll help you line up. Line up with what? With the Word and the will of God. Why? Because everything, according to Romans, that you pray in tongues, first of all, it comes to pass. Everything you pray in tongues lines up with the Word of God. Every single utterance. You say, I don't know what I'm saying. Doesn't matter. You should just be thrilled to know that what you're saying out of your mouth lines up with the Word of God. Because that's not always the case when we pray in English. Or whatever native tongue you would have, Sometimes a little bit of fear and doubt and frustration and a little flesh gets in there. But the flesh and fear and frustration never get into tongues. Ever. It is a pure language. It is undefiled. And it always produces. That should just encourage you today. That you are never without weapons for warfare. Amen? Next, it will help you speak up. Uh, one of the byproducts of praying in the Holy Ghost often is holy boldness. You want to be bolder? Pray more in the Holy Spirit. It'll make you crazy bold. It'll help you clean up. We think, well, if I get all nice and shiny and, uh, and all perfect for God, then He'll baptize me in the Spirit and now I'll have a prayer language. You got it all backwards. The Holy Spirit is a sanctifying force, an agent in your life. And the more you pray in the Holy Spirit, the more your life, your speech, and your motives are going to be cleared up. I'll challenge you with this as you go into a new year. Pray in the Spirit a lot, and then see if God does not begin to, to ding you a little bit on your motives. That's not a bad thing. That means it's working the way it's supposed to. Does that make sense? 
Um, in other words, you're going you're to pray in the Spirit, but He's going to begin to tell you things like, hey, you need to drop this from your life, stop doing this, course correction here, maybe you're spending too much time involved in something, maybe you're doing something illicit that you, know, you never thought was wrong, but the Spirit of God just tells you it is. See, it's, it's not about having a lower standard moving from Old Covenant to New Covenant. It's a higher standard moving from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Um, in the Old Covenant, you had hundreds of laws to keep. At the time, you understand nobody ever kept them. But then again, they didn't have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to help them keep them. That's point number one. Amen? The second thing you should understand is that you don't have hundreds of laws and commands. You have an innumerable number of commands and prompts. Whatever the Word of God tells you to do, amen, you should apply that principle to your life, and you have the power to do it. Not because it's going to save you. Don't think these things will save you, but because you are saved, you do what God tells you to do. But then there's a whole other realm of things the Spirit will tell you. Day to day, moment by moment, could tell you to sow a seed, could tell you to knock it off. How many of you ever, right in the middle, you're almost to say something you probably shouldn't say, and the Holy Ghost came in and said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. What is that from the Holy Spirit? That's not a grand suggestion. When the Holy Spirit tells you to shut up, what is that? That's a command, and he expects you to what? Now, there is no book of the Bible called Art, you know, 5, verse 2, that says, shut up, shut up, shut up. There are a lot of scriptures on the mouth, over 80 of those in the Proverbs alone, on the mouth, lips, and tongue. But he's going to tell you specifics that aren't necessarily you know, related to a specific scripture, but are certainly scriptural. Now, how do you know when, when something out there is trying to say something to you, or give you a command that is off the wall? It violates scripture. Does shutting up when you're about to gossip, does that violate scripture? No, it's perfectly consistent with Scripture. So the, the Word of God, you know, through the illumination of the Spirit of God and day by day, commands and unctions and prompts, they work together. Amen. Glory to God. It'll help you clean up. It'll help you shut up when you should be silent. Look at somebody say, uh, <clears throat> enough said. Come on, say it. It'll help you shut up. It'll help you look up. Praying in the Holy Ghost will keep you focused on eternal things. I'll talk about some of these principles, you know, in, in, in David's celebration of life. But I just want to say to you right now that these kinds of things uh, defeat only people who look down during these times. The smartest thing you can do is pray in the Holy Ghost and don't let the devil have an inch. Don't let him have your thought life, don't let him have your heart. Don't let him have any kind of vacancy, any kind of vacuum. You just stay focused on what is coming. Amen? It'll help you look up. Keep your focus on eternal things and expectancy of the return. How many believe he's really coming? Yes, Wouldn't it be wonderful if he came even before the end of this year? Well, that would be a, a watch night, wouldn't it? Amen. Wouldn't that be a wonderful new year? Yes. How many are looking for a happy new year? How many are looking for a blessed new year? Let me see if you raise your hand if you're looking for a blessed now. How many of you are looking for a fearless new year? That's what the Lord has put in my heart to share with you Sunday. Fearless. You're going to start living your life next year. 
all the restrictions and all the limitations of the world and the government and the devil try to put on you, you're shaking free from that in Jesus' name. I want you to have a happy new year. I want you to have a blessed new year. But the Spirit of God wants you to have a fearless new year. Amen. You're going to enter into some things that you know the devil thought he had, John. Amen. Sometimes the, the devil counts his chickens before they hatch. And that's what he's done with some of you. Yes, amen. How to fall-proof your life from Jude, first of all, pray in the, in the Spirit. Number two is stay in love. You could talk about this for days and days and days, but it's not the talking that actually is important here. It's the doing. It's when you have a chance to come out of love, you know, you realize how important it is to stay in love. Um, a compromised love walk always precedes falling. No Christian who gets bitter or unforgiving will stand, especially in these last days. Let me say it again. You come out of your love walk, you're going to fall. There is no mystery here. There is no, you know, I'm an exception to the rule. If you come out of love, he will get you. But if you stay in love, there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. Amen. So what do you do? You stay active in your love walk. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be best buddies with somebody that hurt you. And I had an um, instructor in graduate school, and he said, you know, if I stick my hand in the door frame and you slam the door in my hand, I'm going to forgive you but I'm not going to stick my hand in a door frame when you're around again. And some people think, well, if I'm not their best buddy and having these great deep conversations with them, then somehow I'm not walking in forgiveness. It's not true. You stay in love. You walk in love. You know, the, the continuance of a relationship, you know, that's tested your love walk and there's been hurt there, that's a trust issue, not a forgiveness issue. Are you here? Uh, you can forgive somebody and yet not what? Not trust them. And so what we're talking about is, is staying in love as God has loved you. Um, you just, you got to watch it. I tell you, the devil is a master at inspiring people into bitterness. And I've watched this for years. You know, a Christian gets offended, gets bitter, comes out of love. It's like they just stop right there. If you check them in 50 years, if Jesus tears and they're still alive in 100 years, they'll still be stuck at, right at the point where they got offended. But let me give you this little caveat. It's not just they'll be stuck. They'll actually begin to denature and go backwards. They'll open up their minds to all kinds of spurious and weird thoughts and ideas and concepts. They're stuck, and then they will begin to go backwards. We don't have time to be stuck. I said we don't have time to be stuck. We don't have time to go back. We've got something to do. Amen? Come on, say, we have something to do. And if, uh, if we're going to come out of love, then I'm just simply telling you this. The day you come out of love, now it's open season on your life for you to fall. Now, maybe somebody that fell is, is the sort of, uh, you know, it's the, it's the reason you're upset. They failed you or maybe somebody else and you're upset. Listen, don't let somebody else's falling be the impetus for you coming out of love. You stay in love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Raise your hand if you've been forgiven. Well, how do you want to be forgiven? Do you know that if you refuse to forgive, then your own forgiveness is in doubt? Oh, forget about doing anything for God. 
Forget about doing anything great for the Lord. Forget about, you know, accomplishing something in his name in these last days. Your, your, very, your very situation and, and relationship with God is compromised because you won't forgive. It's a simple principle. The person who won't forgive cannot be forgiven. That's a problem. Because you and I are still living in a fallen world. Now, I'm not saying you have to, but probably Barb's going to sin before the rest of her life is over. Good girl. But will she might need forgiveness? It's possible. Some of y'all are going to need more forgiveness than Barb. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> What a shame that uh, we would take that off the table because we won't walk in love towards other people. This, this is not an option. We're commanded to love. Amen. The greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says that what? This is the most excellent way. Write this down. Excellent means basically to excel. And excel means to go to the highest level. There is no higher life than a, love, than a life of love. Period. Will you have opportunities to come out of love? Raise your hand if you think you'll have opportunities to come out of love. Yeah, probably before you even leave the building. It's everywhere. Amen. Uh, the bitter Christian is not going to stand. The unforgiving Christian is not going to stand. Um, there's going to be a fall. Um, and how many you understand we're talking about a big-time fall? I mean, take the example Jesus gave that... Uh, you know, two men built their house, one built a house on what? On sand, and one built his house on the rock. And the storm came, and the winds blew, and what happened? Beat against the house, built on the sand, and it fell with a great crash. If it blew against the house that was on the rock, and what happened? What's the difference? It's not the storm that took the house out. It was the foundation that took what? the house out. And what is the foundation? Jesus said, he hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And you cannot uh, ignore the, the command to love and to forgive, you know, and stay out of bitterness and stay out of a place where you're defiling others and causing that thing to spring up and, and defile others as well. You just can't be walking in obedience if you're not walking in love. Amen. So we need to be active forgivers. Man, if, if you, uh, you get really good at this, you'll be, even, you'll be able to predict when somebody's going to do something stupid and you can forgive them in advance. Won't that be fun? You just look like you're going to do something stupid. I forgive you. <laughs> Walk in the Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit can warn you that's a trap. That's a trap for you, trying to set you up so you'll take offense in that situation. Don't buy into it. Then number three, display mercy. Uh, display mercy. Mercy flows through us and mercy flows to us. I love this scripture in Micah 6. Eight. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require. Listen to that language. What the Lord suggests... What? He requires it. 
what does he require? To do justly, to do the right thing, to love mercy, and to walk what? Humbly with thy God. Amen. Look at somebody and say, this is not the great suggestion. This is a requirement. So Jude, Jude picks out some very uh, practical but powerful things here that will keep you from falling. One, pray in the Spirit. Two, stay in love. And three, display mercy. Now write this down. Um, you know, love can be just the, the, the disposition to forgive as we're forgiven, that kind of thing. But, but displaying mercy means you're involved in action. And what is that action? Write this down. The action is alleviating the distress of others who either by their own choices or the choices of others find themselves in distress. Now, how do you know that if somebody really gets nailed and that makes you happy, you got a problem? Well, they sure got what they had coming to them. You better hope that's not the case because you just might get what's coming to you. We don't rejoice when somebody falls. We don't rejoice maybe when, when sin has had full measure or when some, suddenly there is some measure of accountability. It should break our heart when somebody slams into the wall. So be careful you're not that person, but you're displaying it. You're actually you know, manifesting this to others, not wanting people to suffer. That's not the heart of God. Your God is a God of great mercy. Go over to Lamentations and let's look at the scripture for a minute. Shout it out. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Walk in love. Display mercy. Hallelujah. How many of y'all appreciate the word? Thank you, Father. And what I need to do is get out of Jeremiah and get into Lamentations so I can join y'all tonight. <laughs> Lamentations 3. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we're not what? We're not consumed. For his compassions, what? He'll never catch God on a day where he's not compassionate. They are what? Compassions or mercy. Now, compassion is, is actually love and action. It's mercy. They are new every morning. Great is what? Your faithfulness. Now, who has a New American Standard or King James Version? Would you read King James for me? Okay. Yeah. You have NASB? Great. Now, the concept of, of loving kindness uh, speaks of, of covenant has said, and that means that God is predisposed to show you his kindness because you're one of his covenant people. It's not based, fortunately, on our perfection. Aren't you glad for that? In other words, I'm not going to give you covenant kindness because of how great you are. I'm going to give you covenant kindness because of how great I am. And he is marvelous. But listen to this. And, and just in terms of emphasis, his mercies. Whose mercies? 
that phrase, his mercies, tells you that it's his will to bestow mercy on his people. That's his predisposition. Now that has an application for you and for me to, to you know, let that give us uh, you know, courage and, and encouragement. That that's his attitude towards us. But that should also be our attitude towards others. That his mercies, it's God's will to give you mercies. His mercies are what? New. Now write this down. New means a supply that's not exhausted. It means something you've not even tapped into yet. Now I realize that some of y'all really push the limit on those mercies, but let's say they're new. They're new. Uh, limitless supply, untapped supply for you and for me. It's His will to give you His mercies. And those things are, are just, it's, it's abundant in its supply. It's never going to run out for the child of God. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, yes, when we came out of sin, there was a lot of, of mercy that was necessary. There was a lot of distress. But how many know even Christians can go through distress because of their choices or somebody else's choice? And that mercy is available for you and for me. Amen. His mercies are what? New what? Every morning. What time does morning start? Midnight. So 12.01, they're new. If you sin at 4 in the morning, you blew it. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's really Hebrew hyperbole here to say they're new every morning. What it really means is it's never ending. Say it with me. His mercy is never-ending towards His people. See this? Never-ending. Now, the challenge for you and for me is not to accept that. I hope you do. How many believe that God made you righteous? How many believe His predisposition towards you is mercy? If you can't receive that, then you've got an issue with belief in your heart. You just have to realize He is good and He wants nothing but good for you. But the other side of this coin is not just us believing and receiving that His mercies are new for me every morning or never-ending for me. We have to start believing that God's mercies are what? Never ending for those people around us through us. There's the challenge. When you're so busy showing mercy, you don't have time to fall. Come on, say, I don't have time to fall. I am too busy dispensing mercy. Your heart wants to alleviate distress. And every once in a while we see a glimmer of this, you know, in in humankind, like when tornado and disasters happen, people rise up and start doing things to help. You and I are called to be this way every single day. On big things and small things. Well-known situations and situations that only you know personally about. What you're doing is, is letting yourself be a conduit for the never-ending supply of God's mercy. Say it with me, mercy. Blessed are the merciful Now, how many of y'all probably might maybe need some mercy along the way? I've got a volunteer over here. Amen. Raise your hand if you think you're going to need some mercy in the next 5, 10, 15, 20. And it's not just mercy for sin. It's mercy from any kind of distress. You know, Kelly and I are having a discussion because she had mentioned to me that... Uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes when people preach on, on healing, they just emphasize spiritual healing, and that's all it means. And, uh, you know, I actually, I actually posted this. I want to sow this into your spirit tonight. You know, when, 
an animal was sacrificed, the people of God, because they understood God to be merciful, they expected God to forgive them and heal them and guide them and protect them and prosper them. Listen carefully, church, with the blood of an animal. And did God do these things for his people? If they were faithful and sacrificing and showing honor towards his, did he do that? Did he, did he not forgive them? How many times could he wipe them out? He didn't do it. Why? He forgave them. Did he heal them? You see stories and narratives throughout the Old Testament of God's healing power. Did he guide them? Did he guide them? It seems like that's an extra special characteristic of our God, our ability to guide us into victory no matter what comes at. Did he protect them? Wiping out the most powerful army in that time in the history of the world? Yes. Did he prosper them? Yes, he did. Well, how much more should we believe that God would do these things since the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed? Not the blood of an animal. And so I just, I just kind of shake my head when somebody says, well, he's just talking about spiritual healing in Isaiah 53. And, well, it makes, kind of, it, makes it difficult to interpret Psalm 103 then, doesn't it, when it says he forgives all of our sins and heals all of our what? Diseases. The word in Psalm 103 and the word in Isaiah 53 has to do with therapeutic. It is not a word that is you know, rendered in, in such a way that it refers to sin and forgiveness. It is literally the restoration of the physical body. In other words, healing is in the atonement. Watch this. Healing was in the blood atonement of an animal. You better believe healing is in the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. Say it with me. He forgives me. He heals me. He guides me. He protects me. He prospers me. Now, obviously, you want to celebrate the spiritual healing. But he has never been interested in just one dimension of your life. In fact, when he created us, he created us to be what? Physical beings and a physical environment and gave us everything that pertained to our life and godliness, and pertained to our happiness and joys, what Josephus said, until we blew it with sin. Why didn't he just create spirits and let them float around? Listen again. He made you material. He made you a physical being. Therefore, somebody has to take responsibility to supply for the physical being. And that person is your God. So it is not wrong to ask God to forgive you. It is not wrong to ask God to heal you or guide you or protect you or to prosper you. That all comes from religion and ignorance of the plain teachings of Scripture. What did Jesus say regarding the Sadducees when they said there is no resurrection of the dead? Jesus said, you err greatly not knowing the scriptures. That's why you err, because you don't know the scriptures. And even if somebody does reject all that, because somebody rejects the provision of the atonement through the blood of Jesus Christ, I don't have to reject it. You accepting or rejecting it does not stop me from embracing it, amen, full throttle, 100%. Everything he died for me to receive. Amen? Now, how we want to do is, is just make sure that uh, we're paying attention to what Jude is saying. Jude is an end times scripture. It's applicable throughout, you know, all time. It's the word of God. But it's an end time scripture telling an end time church, hey, you need to watch what's going on. 
Say it with me. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Walk in love. Display mercy. Did you get that? His mercies are new every morning, never ending. And we're like, for me, I love that. Yes, for me, never ending. But what is it teaching us here in Jude? Never ending for other people. That's hard, Pastor Art. Listen, don't ever look at a pastor and say that's hard. We have more practice at this than you do. Amen. Yes, amen. Now look at verse 24. On the heels of telling you, pray in the Spirit, stay in love, display mercy. Be too busy displaying mercy to fall to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Say it with me, without fault and great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. To him who is able to keep you from what? From falling. You might have been a baby Christian and used to sing a song, a little ditty, a little worship chorus that went along that line. To him who is able to keep you from falling. Well, how does he do it? By the practical application of what the scripture says. Look at somebody and tell them you don't have to fall. You don't have to. If you do, you have an advocate. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us what? All unrighteousness. But don't use that as an excuse to have faith to fall. Develop your faith to stand. Say it with me, having done all to stand. Stand therefore. Amen. I believe this, this crowd's not going to fall. I believe your best days are ahead of you. Amen. I believe in 2022, you're going into devil torment mode. Payback. Amen. It's not a time for you to be defeated. It's a time for him to be defeated. Jesus defeated him. Now let's display his defeat. Hallelujah. Let's just start with this wicked thing called COVID. Amen. Hallelujah. The glory to God. The Spirit of God is saying that great wisdom and great insight is coming to the spiritual leadership of the body of Christ, particularly in this country, on the origin and what this thing has done and how to deal with this and how to fight this thing. And how many will pray for those that will receive that? And then they'll be bold. Because you know what will happen? They'll get attacked. The moment they open up their mouth and they call the truth about something, somebody will try to marginalize them, but how do you know they need that boldness yeah. to just speak the truth in love? Let's give the Lord a hand clap and thank Him tonight. <laughs> Lord,